Do you want to know what the secret sauce is that turns an employee into an entrepreneur? What is the trail of breadcrumbs that gives someone that push over the edge to believe in themselves, quit their job, and then become self-employed? Well, we're going to be covering all that and more with my mate Trevor Muck from Carrot, who's going to be my guest on the podcast, coming up right after this. Lorimer Podcast. Uh, greetings, my lovelies. Welcome to the podcast. It is delightful, delightful to be here and at your service again, filling your minds with all sorts of techniques and strategies that will hopefully uh, improve your business. I'm a big fan of improving business and uh, home life at the same time. Uh, I think that they, they intertwine more and more and more as time marches on. I have Trevor Mark with us, who is my mate, and I've been on his podcast um, on Carrot, and we're going to get into so much stuff today, because uh, Trevor is, is, is a thought leader, someone that I admire, someone that I respect. Um, and so for the, for, the, for the two people on the planet who may not be aware of what Carrot is, can you just please tell them... Uh, your genesis and, and and where you came from. I know you come from a marketing background, but yeah. it'd be great to hear just a little bit of your journey, Trevor. P Peter, for sure, man. And first of all, I appreciate you having me on. I, uh, Brady on my team and I, we were talking and we're like, man, you know those people who have just infectious energy and you want to be around and, and you want to help amplify their energy to the world? Uh, you're one of those guys, man. So uh, I'm pumped to be on here and, and hopefully uh, you know, we can cast a, a great light for those who are listening to this. So just keep doing what you're doing, Peter. I'm honored to be on the on the session here with you. But uh, yeah, I'm Trevor. Uh, I've, I've got a company called Carrot, carrot.com. And um, we're not going to talk a lot about what we do today. We're probably going to talk mindset stuff for entrepreneurs and kind of you know, how, how I've waded through that over the past decade or more. But uh, with Carrot, we're about seven and a half years in. Uh, we have a little over, a little under 8,000 active customers, mostly real estate investors. So if you're an investor or an agent listening to this, um, that's what we do. We help you get a lot of motivated house seller leads online is what we focus on. And, um, we focus on it in a way that's more evergreen. So rather than the, having a cold call all day or having to post on social media, 14 times a day, we say, how can you create amazing content that gets online, stays online for years through Google, and then helps to attract people in an evergreen fashion. So you can finally get off that darn marketing hamster wheel. So that's the high level of what we do. But, but Peter, the, the thing that pumps me up the most, and we'll probably kind of talk about how I switched from a business that drained my energy. That, that's kind of where I was, uh, how I kind of wanted to lead, right? So real estate Perfect. and forget real estate, entrepreneurialism or a, a, yep. a, a change in someone's life. Hmm. It takes a moment. It's kind of like a blend of um, one is sick and tired of a particular life or job. Hmm. It's a blend of like, here we go with, with fear of yep. like, oh my God. So many of us have crossed that threshold and I believe many more want to. So talking about the mindset of, of being able to maybe go from being an employee to being self-employed, which I know is terrifying for so many people. Yep. How did you do it? 
Man, so I'll, I'll take it all the way back. And this is kind of one of those things. It, it can be a pro and a con. Uh, I've never had a job. So I've never, never gone out there and got a real job. Uh, about the closest I got to it was right after I graduated college. I worked for my parents for six months in their small, small little business. They have an equipment rental business in small town, Oregon. And I kind of helped to, to write this ship with their finances. Their, their CFO left and he's like, hey, Trevor, why don't you go do this? Well, like, I don't know anything about this stuff. <laughs> and so I helped with that for six months, which gave me a lot of experience. But Peter, the, the biggest thing for me, man, there, there's there's a series of mindset shifts I ha I've had to make and to kind of set the stage for for things right now. And this isn't the most important thing, but I care as a company, we're, we're an eight figure a year business. Um, you know, I went from uh, earning, you know, uh, low six figures, $100,000 a year, about five years into my entrepreneurship journey, it took me five years to get there. Uh, to you know, multiple seven figures in net profits, uh, great business, 40 plus employees. Uh, I had a mindset early on where employees are a pain in the butt. Employees are going to be this weight on my shoulders. It's going to make add, add stress. And now where we are on the other side, it actually gives you freedom when you do it right. And so when I came out of the gates, this would have been 2005, graduated college, I said, okay, I'm going to give myself a year to figure this entrepreneurship thing out. And if I can't figure it out within a year, then I'll go get a job somewhere. And so the biggest mindset shift that first year, Peter, and I think this applies to anybody who's making a big shift in their life is I got about six months in and I realized, man, I'm not making any money. You know, I'm, I'm barely paying my, my rent. Um, all my expenses are going on this brand new credit card I got. I literally paid my taxes on my credit card that year, which I don't suggest you do. Um, and I'm sitting there with 12 grand in credit card debt that first year uh, as an entrepreneur, bringing in less than a thousand bucks a month. And I said, man, I, I, I think I might need to go get a job. Maybe I should quit. This is six months in. And so I actually talked to the mentor and heard some really good advice. And they said, <clears throat> one of the biggest things that people do is they quit before they have a chance for momentum to pick up. And, and he said, if you're going to commit to stepping into a business or doing something new, commit for at least a year, like, don't give yourself any less time than 12 months to make that thing work. And that's where I see a lot of people stepping in, into a new business, Peter, and they give it three months, nine months, six months, and they go, Oh, man, it's too hard. I'm going to go back and get the job. And so six months in, I remembered that I'm like, okay, I'm only halfway through this. And what if I get momentum in month eight? What if momentum comes in month 10? And I quit in month eight. And then I started to think about risk a different way. And this is one of the biggest mindset shifts in that first year as an entrepreneur is I started to think about risk. And, and I have a phrase I call flip your risk profile. And in that time, and I still use it today, uh, they're just bigger decisions, bigger risks today. Uh, I said, okay, <clears throat> uh, what's the worst case scenario that could happen if I step out and take this risk? If I step out and try to start this company or do whatever it is? You know, oftentimes that risk isn't the worst case scenario is not as bad as you think it's going to be. And so that, that's, that's a, a mantra that, uh, that I have lived my life by whenever I'm kind of on, on, on the precipice of doing something. I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Mm -hmm. What is the worst that can happen? I can be right back where I am right now with yep. a bit of egg on my face, but I've, I've never feared embarrassment and I've never really feared what other people think of me, whether they think I'm a success or a failure makes really no difference. So, and, and that's so know. important. That's so important. So I, I took that mindset and then I, then I started to flip it around and I said, okay, well, here's the worst case scenario. So if you can identify the worst case scenario and realize, oh man, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. What I like to do then is I say, well, what if I don't take this opportunity? What if I don't do this thing? What if I don't take this risk? And then I say, what's 100% going to happen? 
if I don't take this risk, if I don't step into this thing that I'm scared of. And so almost every time I'm more scared of the 100% going to happen scenario of not taking the risk than I am of the likely scenario if I do take it. And so in, in that case, the 100% going to happen at that time was if I decide to go back and get a job, I'm 100% going to regret it in five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years that I didn't stick it out. I'm 100% going to be locked into a job where I'm going to be, you know, a uh, uh, slave to the, to the man. Uh, and I'm gonna have to punch the clock Monday through Friday, I'm gonna 100% have an income cap on my on my, um, my my ability to earn, uh, unless I take this chance and make it work. And that scared me. I'm like, Oh, geez, right. that 100% guaranteed scenario, I did not like I was way more attracted to the man, the worst case scenario, it's likely not going to happen. I'm going to tackle that one. I think I'm going to give myself a chance. You, you remind me of, uh, bless my dad. My dad's been dead for a while now, 15 years or so. But mm. I remember when I was a little boy and I was, I, I, I have a, a history of running. I don't mean like mm. running like Sebastian Coe, if you're old yeah. enough to remember him. <laughs> but uh, um, I mean, running like geographics, like or, yeah. or, 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 or literally submerging myself in something to occupy, to escape, escapism, right? Yep. And I, when I was a kid, I escaped into music, classical music of all mm. things. Uh, as a as a musician and and then I got interested in jazz and then I got interested in dance music and I remember I was I don't know 13 maybe 12 or 13 and yeah. I said dad I'm gonna be a professional musician <laughs> and my father who was a great saxophone player but he was a, a a teacher during the day he said to me son let me give you the best piece of advice you'll ever hear he <laughs> said get your qualifications make sure that you get a good job and do music in the evening mm. and I said Dad, I can't do that. I need to go for it wholeheartedly or I will kick myself for the rest of my life. Yep, yep. And I kind of had that at 13. And that's mm. exactly what I did. I dropped out of school at 15 and became a record producer. Mm. And it was... So your, your dad had some amazing insight there as well. So this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of jump topics here. Please. There's, is, there's the thought that's really pervasive of uh, find your passion and build a business around your passion, right? Um, you, you don't have to build a business around your passion, but your business should fuel your passion. Like I truly believe that you should do business that interests you. You should do business that uh, work that you can do well. Uh, you know, you, it interests you, you can do it well. And I think that business should fuel your passion. And so I, I started to look at business completely differently. So if you're a real estate agent listening to this or, you know, whatever other type of entrepreneur, if you're in a business where you're going, man, I'm just doing this for the income. I'm really not passionate about showing houses or I'm really not passionate about doing whatever it is. What you can be passionate about is the craft. Like you can love the craft at getting really good at whatever that thing is, but then take that income, that money, and then put it into something you're crazy passionate about. Take that into uh, buying yourself or paying for a studio in your house if you're a musician and you're working 30 hours a week over here in something you're interested in the craft, but then the other 10 hours a week, you take that income and pile it into an, an album that you're building or you pile it into creating a network of musicians or whatever it is that you want to do, or it just buys you extra time to go do music. Um, right. And that way you can still enjoy your passion and not have to make your passion your business, which you could then kind of re start to regret. Uh, you, you can start to resent that 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 passion because now it's your work. It's um, funny you say that because I remember being a, you know, I, I knew nobody in the music business, certainly in the recording industry. And I came from a, a town like Pittsburgh in, in the UK. Yeah. So 
uh, when I moved to London and 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 I I managed to worm my way into the music business, it was amazing. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm actually doing this. And I was yeah. working with big celebrities like David Bowie and In Excess and yep. George Michael. I'm like, how the hell? I was watching this guy on TV a couple of years ago, and now I'm in the studio with him. How did this happen? Which is awesome, and I enjoyed the ride. But then I found towards the end of my music career. A friend of mine, Dennis White, whose name is Static Revenger, who's a Grammy-winning uh, record producer, really good friend of mine. And he said to me, you know, music has to remain your mistress. Hmm. And I was like, ah. Hmm. And, and it, had, it had become something where I, I was burned out. And, it had, and I did really well in it, and I got great money, but I was like... You know what? I, and and this is gonna. I, this is gonna. I'm not trying to sound self-congratulatory here, but I remember I was doing a remix for Christina Aguilera. This is in 2004 or something. She mm. was at the top of her game, and I was yep. at the top of mine. And I didn't even want to hit play. And mm. I'm like, okay, yeah. if I'm sitting in the studio working on an artist that's as amazing as this, and I'm not getting the vibe from it, mm. I need to kind of put my big boy pants on and go do something else. And, and I left, I left my game and I left it at the top and I, I dived in or dove in or in, into an industry that I had to thank my parents for because they were like, there's no better investment than bricks and mortar. <laughs> and so I took my money from the music business and started investing it into LA real estate and the rest is history, as they say. Dude, and, and that, that's such an amazing shift. And so if anyone's listening to this and you're going, man, I, I just feel like I'm doing work that, that I'm not passionate about. And especially, especially millennials, you know, if you're, if you're, I don't know what the millennial age group is, but let's say you're sub 30, sub 35 or whatever that, that, that age is. Um, oftentimes, and I've got a lot of millennials who work for me here at Carrot. Um, oftentimes they're really hard on themselves. They want to be, they, they want to be today where they really should be in five, 10, 15 years. And so start to pull back like Peter did and say, well, what do I love to do? And I, dude, I, I love that saying, uh, making your passion, your mistress, your mistress. That's really good. Um, so how, how do you, how do you make it to where you're doing a craft that you enjoy that you get energy from on a weekly basis, but then you then f have that fuel your passion. And so <clears throat> this is around, that was around 2012 or so that I had that realization. And then this right here, Peter, if I were to give kind of one thing that changed, uh, that's changed the most for me. And I still use this thing today is around that time. I said, okay, well, how do I build a business that not just earns an income, but, but uh, that I'm passionate about the purpose, the mission that it has. I wake up every day excited about the mission we have. Now you're not going to be excited every day about your work. Like, I don't, I don't care if you're a unicorn rider and you love unicorns, dude, like there's going to be some days you don't want to get on the darn unicorn. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, they're, they're just are. And so I, I started to look at it and go, well, what if I could just base my, 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 my work around what gives me energy more? And I had some good mentors and, and some, read a lot of books. And one of the, one of the early pieces of advice that I got a lot, and uh, I started to chase it down and follow it that I, that I felt for me actually guided me down the wrong path was, was the, was the advice of um, go out there and find your unique genius, right? Whatever it is that you're really, really good at, uh, which is good advice. And I'll kind of break it down here in a bit. But find your unique genius and then said, go all in on that. And, and then the person, the person who's really smart said, your unique genius, uh, you know, you found it when some, when a lot of people say you're really good at that. And when you get paid really well to do it, when a lot of people say you're really good at the thing and you get paid really well, that's probably your unique genius. And so in those years, 2010 through 2012, 
um, I got paid a lot of money to build marketing campaigns, to um, come up with the strategy, but then execute it all. You know, I would write the copy. I would do all that kind of stuff. And people would say, I'm really good at it. And they would hire me to do that. And my online publishing company did really well with that. But dude, it dragged me down. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd wake up more days than not looking at my task list like you did with that Christina Aguilera deal. I'd be like, man, I don't want to do the work that I had created for myself. Why is this? You know, why is it? I'm getting paid well. People say I'm good at this. I'm, and, and, and if I stop doing those things, I'm going to stop making money. So how do I do this? And so one day I looked at it and said, rather than taking the piece of paper and putting the line down the middle and having like what makes me money and what doesn't make me money, I like a lot of people guided me to do and any, everything that didn't make me money that I was doing on the weekly basis, they said to cut that, right? Mm -hmm. And everything that made you the most money, they said, do more of that. And that's what led me to... That's what led me to not enjoy my I, work. I do a completely different sheet of paper. I Good. do a, a, a sheet of, and I teach my guys to write down what makes them happy. Yep. And what makes them unhappy. Mm, I love it. And, uh, and things that they, uh, the, the traits within them that they believe are positive, traits yeah. within them that they believe are negative. I love it. And I said, if you kind of get it all out of your head and you get it on paper and you ask other people's opinions, you're going to figure out exactly the, 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 your way through the maze of life or certainly have the, the, the breadcrumbs to begin the, the, the path. Dude, and, and, and that, that right there is gold because that's the shift that, that people need to make is stop, stop optimizing your schedule for productivity and stop optimizing your schedule for what's going to make me the most money and start optimizing it for what makes you happier. In this case, for me, uh, for energy, I said, when, when, I, when I'm doing the best, when I'm in the most momentum, when I'm happy, uh, is when I'm doing things that give me energy, they don't suck my energy out of me. And uh, so I, I think what you're, what you're saying, what I'm saying, it's the same thing, just using different words. Because when you're happy, you have good energy. When you're not, your energy sucked out of you. And so I took out that piece of paper, drew the line down the middle. And this is a process I created uh, in 2012 called the Energy Audit. I still do it every single quarter. I do the Energy Audit. And I do the line down the middle. On the left side, I put, I put drains energy. On the right side, I put gives energy. And I just sat there and said, well, on the average week, what do I, what am I currently doing that drains my energy? And so I started writing down the list and the list got pretty big. It was like writing emails, writing copy, any execution of anything, right? It's like, I don't want to execute anything. And uh, <laughs> it was, you know, talking to certain types of clients, talking to certain types of people, uh, whatever it was, sitting in my house all day and just working, not getting outside. On the energy give side of it, it was a very short list, which was interesting. I'm like, this is weird. Is there something wrong with me? It was, I like strategy. But I want to come in the whiteboard, blow stuff on the whiteboard and leave. Like, I, I don't want to implement anything from there, right? I love this. I love doing interviews with amazing entrepreneurs that interest me. But I wasn't doing any of that. I'm like, I just want to talk to more awesome entrepreneurs. And I couldn't figure out how to make money doing that. And so I had a very short list. I love strategy. I love talking to other interesting entre entrepreneurs. Um, I love thinking of ideas. I like being creative. Every now and then, it actually did give me energy to dive deep and create a process that I knew would get someone else to do the work that the direct drain my energy and i looked at that list and i said okay well what you know, there's the quote that many of you have heard of what's what's not measured can't be moved right so i looked at this list and i said well let me measure this and i i asked myself what percentage of my week is these energy draining things versus these energy giving things and write down the things that give you energy especially the ones you're not doing like working out i wasn't working out at that time that gives me energy um things like that Mm -hmm. At that time, mm -hmm. Peter, is about 80% of my work week uh, were tasks that drained my energy but made me money. And 20% were 
was uh, stuff that, that gave me energy. And I said, well, what if I just did this list every single quarter? And I looked at that energy drain side and I picked one or two things over there. I wrote down how many hours a week I'm spending on that energy draining thing, no matter how much money it makes me. And let's say this first one is seven hours writing blog posts. And this next one is three hours answering emails or whatever. And that's 10 hours a week I'm using it. I'm putting into massively energy draining things. And I said, what if that's the first thing I do every quarter now? Is I circle those. And then the very first thing on my, on my quarter is to create processes to delegate those to someone who loves doing that or just to say I'm never doing those again. And I said, then I'll take that 10 hours. I'm going to draw an, an arrow over the energy give side. I'm going to circle one thing over there that I'm not doing enough that gives me a lot of energy that I'm going to fill that 10 hours with now, even if it doesn't make me money. And that was a big shift for me is even if the thing that gives me energy makes me zero money, I will be fine with that. So then I, I, I hear the, some of the audience thinking, well, that's great for you because you work for yourself, but I work in yeah. an office and, mm -hmm. and I can't, you know, I'm drained yep. doing, you know, 75% of what I do every day because it's stuff that my boss doesn't want to do. Yep. So how, how does one um, apply this theory to, to hours that are not quite as under the control of our hours as you and I? That's, that's such a great question. And I can't tell you I've got it mastered, but uh, I take my employees through the same process. And so you know, we've got 40 some odd uh, employees here at Carrot. And anytime I sense someone that's, that's, that feels like they're in a funk, anytime you, you can just tell or, or when yeah, you're yeah. asking questions, doing your one-on-ones, hey, how are you doing? Um, how's the past month been? What have you been most proud of? What, you know, what's, draining you, what's dragging you down? Kind of asking those questions, I'll oftentimes bring up the energy audit and go, man, it looks like you're doing a lot of things that drain your energy. And at, at the end of the day, someone who's in work doing more stuff that drains energy than not, they're not, it's not going to be sustainable for them, number one. And then number two, they're not going to be doing their best work. And so what I would, what I would suggest someone uh, to do if you're listening to this who has a job is go through the energy audit, take it, put it down there, and then, <clears throat> and then go to your boss and say, hey, uh, here's some opportunities I see in the business that are this, this, and this, and the one, they should be the ones that give you energy, right? And you could say, Hey, would we be able to do a test over the next two to four weeks where I take some of my own time? Okay. It's not, it's not going to be time away from my current job description where I take some of my own time and do a test to see if this works in the business to drive X result. <clears throat> Your boss is probably going to say yes. And for you, that's a net gain because it's stuff that gives you energy. If you can show that that's adding more value uh, in that side of the business than what your current job description shows, you're going to start to be able to trade those hours and your boss is going to look at it going, oh my gosh, I can't keep Sally or John in that role anymore because he or she's adding so much more value doing these other things. So I'll give you an example. So Brady, um, who runs my podcast, Brady runs... Uh, he, he is and was my videographer. I'll tell you what is and was meant here in a second. <clears throat> but he was starting to get his energy drained by anything editing video. Like, and he's my videographer, right? And so I'm looking at this going, oh my gosh, I can't just have you not edit video because that's like the biggest part of your job is shooting and editing video. But we both sat down and looked at each other and we said, it's just not sustainable. And, and when someone's not passionate about that, that work and you need it to be top quality work, you know you're not going to get that result. And so... Uh, I started looking at things and asked Brady, I said, just write down a list of what gives you energy. What types of things do you really love? And he goes, I really starting to like writing copy. And he wasn't a copywriter. I'm, dude, I'm going, dude, your, your copy looks better than my copy on my, my, on my own Instagram channel. Like your stuff is better than my own writing about my, about my stuff. 
And, and I said, well, you know, Brady, can you go away, find one to three resources, a book, a course, I'll pay for them on copy. You dive in and learn that. Let's cut out a couple hours a week so you can learn that. And let's give you a project. And he took it on. It was great. And we said, shoot, we need a copywriter here. What if we started to pull away video? Let's hire a full-time videographer who gets energy from editing and, and filming video. And now you can spend time on copy. And so it's that same type of thing. But if you're an employee, do that. Take the energy audit and just know it's not sustainable for you or your boss if more than half of your work drains your energy. I, I think uh, at my uh, former company, PLG, uh, I had a policy of... Even pre kind of COVID, we were uh, experimenting with working from home. Mm, yeah. And uh, for, for, I've never been an employee. I never really look at myself as a boss. Mm. Um, I always look at myself as just like a team member. And I'm not saying that to be sycophantic or like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I genuinely never, you know, I'm, I'm not a boss, boss, boss kind of guy. And I have found with the employees that have worked with me for a long, long time, who I love and trust like family, that I don't care if they work from the moon. I don't care if, you know, I have so much trust in, in what they do that if they said, you know what, Pete, I want to flip it. I'm not going to work during the day, but I'm going to work all the way through the night. I'd be mm. like, mm, whatever, I don't care. Because yep. I don't need to monitor and I, I don't need to... Uh, have my hands around. Uh, I don't need to. I'm not a controller of people. I like mm. to let people run. Yeah. And so I would say to the people that are out there, if you are in a in a position, if you're in a job right now where you fear going to your boss and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'd really like to work from home on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, and I'd like to do an experiment where my you can watch my productivity to see if it goes up over the next yep. 45 days." And if that boss says no, then I feel that is the moment where you listen to the universe and you say, you know what? What is the worst that can happen? Dude. I live in the United States. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be killed for my religious beliefs. Well, hopefully not. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go hungry. I'm going to probably have a roof over my head tonight. And I'm probably going to be able to figure this out for the next 90 days or longer, maybe six months. Mom lives three miles away, so if the shit really hits the fan, I can move back in with mom. Yep. But I think the the the, the my experience with risk is risk is sixty five percent known and thirty five percent unknown, mm -hmm. and the and the the joy the 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 thrill exists in that thirty five percent of, well, I took a shot in the dark. Let's see if I hit the target. Yep. And entrepreneurs right which is a, a real buzz my mom used to say entrepreneur is just crazy for rich people but um <laughs> part of the joy of 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 being an entrepreneur and you can be an entrepreneur whilst being an employee they those yep. two worlds can coexist but is to know that you're gonna get it wrong you're gonna mm. have failed ideas you're gonna yeah. be you know, uh, 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 I, I would be a crappy copywriter, or I, you know, I, I'm I'm gonna keep trying stuff yeah. until I find what fits. But I think people think they can, you know, come out of school and or, or drop out of a job and kind of wing it to become an entrepreneur. But yeah. no, I don't say a year. I tell my guys because I consider real estate agents to kind of be entrepreneurs. Yep. I say to new agents joining my firm, hey guys. 
two years. It's a two-year yeah. apprenticeship where you're going to have the crap knocked out of you for two years. Mm-hmm. And if you're still standing after two years, you got a real good shot at making this a career. But cool. if you think it's going to take any less than that, this might be the wrong gig. Dude, and, and, and that's the thing is, and this is this is a cliche and it's it's overused for sure, but uh, truly the journey is the part that 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 is the most joy. Um, I remember Peter... Uh, I, I had a goal. I, I created this thing called a life list. I, I don't like a bucket list because that's kind of the negative side. I'm like, I want to, I want to talk about my life list. That's the stuff I want to do while I'm alive. And so I put it on my website. Uh, it's my my personal website, trevormock.com. There's a link, little link up there that says life list. And I did this about probably 12 years ago, maybe about 10 years, 10 or 12 years ago. And I published it publicly. And I said, okay, I'm going to publish this publicly, put this stuff out to the world. I'll add stuff to it as I come up with something else. And one of the things I had on there was uh, I think it was like become a millionaire by 30 or something like that. And there was this weird moment where I, I hit 30 and I wasn't a millionaire. Like I wasn't a paper, paper millionaire. I wasn't um, a cash millionaire for sure. And it was, it was this weird thing where I'm like, man, I failed. You know, is is this letdown? It was, I failed. Were, you'll see examples out there where someone did something you want to do and you didn't do it and you kind of feel bad about it. The funny thing is within about two to three years, I had to hit that number after that. Um, and then it, then it was a cash millionaire, like actually being able to write a check for a million bucks rather than just on, value it on paper. And nothing changed. Like nothing changed once again, guys. So what, what Peter is saying of uh, when we're really, really looking at putting our heads down and doing the work for a couple of years, uh, th- that right there, we need to enjoy that process. Because when you hit that magical income goal that you say is 100 grand or 200 grand or 250 or a million or whatever your number is, I can guarantee you the clouds will not part, the angels will not sing. Uh, the only thing that's going to happen is that money will amplify who you're, you already are. If you're already a person who um, who is ph- philanthropic, then that's going to make you more philanthropic. But <clears throat> having a million bucks, uh, if you're not already philanthropic, will not make you philanthropic. You'll just have more money in your bank you're not using. <clears throat> and same thing. If you say, you know what, when I get to X part of my business, I'm finally going to take a bunch of time off. If you can't figure out how to take some time off now, I can guarantee you're going to be work a workaholic when you have a million, two million bucks in the bank because you didn't figure out how to how to, how to structure your schedule to take time off and I, love on yourself. I, w- I want to jump in for one quick second on that because this mm-hmm. is such an important point, right? Um, <clears throat> there, are, there are a couple of phrases that I kind of live and die. Well, I'm a very binary guy. I kind of I'm either all in or, or I'm all out. Like one of the phrases that I like is "dinner tastes better with friends." So mm. what does that mean, Pete? It means, well, it means literally when you go to a restaurant, if you sit on your own, if uh, it tastes fine. But if you have a bunch of people around you that you like, the dinner is magically better. Mm. It's the same for me in business. I am either, uh, in the words of Simon Sinek, it's either a finite life or an infinite life. Yeah. <clears throat> I find that the journey, if all I'm thinking about is me and how I can benefit and the goal is me, 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 then it becomes a pretty lonely place, which is why I think victories can be hollow. Yeah. Whereas when you literally, like I remember being, I'm going to give you a little anecdote, if I may. So when I was coming up through the music industry, this is how long ago it was, uh, programming was just coming out, which was like, uh, um, you know, sampling, right? And the original samplers, which we used to sample drums from vinyl, uh, which is how a lot of the hip-hop records began. Uh, there were these guys called programmers. I really wanted to be a programmer, but I was working in a studio. I was, I was about 17, and I was, like, sweeping the floors. 
And, and I remember this guy who was a programmer came in um, who had cases full of floppy disks. That's how long ago it was. They were full of floppy disks <laughs> on each floppy disk. Oh, yeah. was a cool sample or a sound or a vocal thing or a drum beat or a this or a that. And I'm like, oh, my God, I need to get those samples. And the programmer looked at me and he said, hey, man, take whatever you like. Just make sure you put it back in the same order. And that guy went on to produce some of the biggest acts in the UK in the 90s. Mm. And he just gave me his entire library, which was really his toolkit. That is cool. Conversely, there were other guys that came in that studio who had cases full of samples, who didn't let me near them, who locked them up mm. at night. And I, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't able to copy anything. Those guys, I've forgotten, and they never had a hit. Gotcha. And so my theory with business, with life, with everything is we got to keep giving it away to keep it. Yep. If we yep. don't give away everything we got, like I've given strategies to competing agents in my own area. I've said, hey, I do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> part of me is like, what am I doing? Yeah. The other part of me is I have such faith in the universe that I'll be taken care of. Yep. that I know that this is the right thing to do. And then mm. lastly, I want to talk about, you know, the, the, the time off, because I've had my fair share of workaholism. Mm -hmm. But I have three beautiful children that are my life, along with my lovely wife, Cindy. They are my life. They're, 12, they're 13, 10, and 9. Mm. So great ages. The most precious moments I have in my life right now are with them. Yep. And so yep. what my wife and I have decided to do is We've always taken a summer holiday, a lovely one, and we always take a winter holiday, a lovely one. We have now decided to up the ante and take a spring break holiday as well. I'm Love talking it. these are international holidays. Yep. And it sounds extravagant, but we work our asses off, and it's like I don't fear doing that. And I'm someone that struggled with addiction and someone that struggled with an extremely working-class background, yep. and, and, and I don't deserve anything. Right, I'm not worthy of anything, but now I've allowed my wife to kind of take take the lead. That's cool. And ladies and gentlemen, I can tell you everywhere I have been for the past ten years, and I glow inside. Mm, I love it. Whereas I love my clients, love them, they're like family. Yep. But I can't tell you who I worked with five summers ago, but I can tell you where I was on vacation. Yep. And so having our lives, it, it you you kind of be, you began with it, Trevor, and forgive forgive this diatribe. You began with it, right? It can't all be work. For me, life enhances work, and work mm. enhances life. Yep. I don't have my business run my life. I have my life run my business. Mm. Well, I want to build something that matters. I want to build something that truly can help other entrepreneurs avoid what I did uh, and build businesses of freedom and impact. And from then on, I said, well, how do I do that? It's got to be built off of a team, an amazing team that's all going for the same mission. And so that's when I made that mindset shift. I said, okay, I've got to learn how to do more and less hours, which means creating better processes, doing the energy out of every quarter, creating processes on the things that drain my energy, finding great people to plug in there. And one of the biggest things, Peter, that was like a shock to my system in a good way that helped me do that was I said, I, I, I would be really good, Peter, at taking like one week vacations. Okay. And that's great. A week vacation is awesome, but any business can run for a week without its founder. If it's, you know, if it's more than just one person. Okay. Even if you have an assistant, that business can run without you for a week. 
But I said, well, what would be the real test that will force me to get real processes in place to unlock the freedom in this business? And I said, what if I were to take a month off? And so this is the same year. I said, okay, babe, let's pick, let's pick a month. We picked July. And I said, okay, it's about four months ahead of, ahead of time. I told my team of five or six people, I said, guys, I'm taking the month off in July. And they all looked at me just cold, you know, stone face because they saw how much work I do on a weekly basis. I did. And then I pulled back and I said, the cool thing about this is it's going to be a trigger point, a forcing function for me to truly look at what I need to get create processes for and hand off to amazing people uh, because I'm owning too much right now. And so I sat down there, wrote down a list of what are all the things that are going to drop during that month that I do. These decisions, these projects, these tasks, these types of things, who, who's going to make these decisions? You know, what if a customer comes in upset? How, how do they deal with it? Who makes them? And that's what I shifted my process to. I shifted my daily work for that next three to four months. One day a week was just straight up process creation. And I would look at that list and go, okay, cool. Let's pick these two things. I'm going to create processes on those now or write down how I make that decision, put it into a Google document, share it with that person, say, hey, you own this now. And then I took the month off and I didn't check into work one time. Like literally didn't call. No one called me. Uh, there are very specific guidelines on, hey, if, if it's an emergency, here's one of the three things that can be an emergency. You can call me. But if it's not one of these three things, you guys make the call based off of these processes. And I do that every year now. I, I take a month off every year Amazing. and use that. I don't check into work. They don't check in with me. I make I use that as a forcing function to eliminate the things that pile up on my lap throughout the year and hand them off to other people. Uh, right. So if you're struggling so let, yourself let me, to let do that. Let me frame that. Let me frame yep. that for the guys that are like, well, that's great for you two guys, yep. you know, talking about successful businesses. But every successful business, ladies and gentlemen, starts with day one. Yep. Right. When I when I joined the uh, real estate industry, you know, yes, I left the music business, but I, I didn't have a stack of cash. I yep. was like, you know, I had, I had a crap. My first crappy little house. It wasn't crappy. Ah, it was crappy. In uh, <laughs> uh, in North Hollywood, and it cost me two hundred and seventy one thousand hmm. dollars, and and it took every penny I had, but. I had faith that buying it was the, I didn't get buy it cash, I got yeah. a loan. But it was, I had faith that it was the best thing I, have, I, I ever did. Yeah. What I want to encourage the listeners who are out there that are like, well, I want to, I want to take a leap. I want to, I want to you know, and, and, and it's a hard thing to walk into your boss's office and say, you know what, I'm out. Thanks very much. It's really, yeah. it's, I get that it's hard. Yeah. So I want to suggest a process to people that are out there, which is the following. If you're thinking about having a career shift, and I've mentored a few agents before they've, they've joined my firm doing this, there is a beautiful, I call it the golden hour. There is a beautiful spot in the morning before everybody gets up. Mm. It's, uh, some people start at four. I could never start at four. That's just too early. Yep. But between five and 7 a.m. in the morning, it's a beautiful time because nobody's up. Nobody's thinking business. People are working out and having coffee and doing what they do. Yeah. I I now work out after the uh, after the golden hour, which was something I never used to do. In those two hours, which are undisturbed, it's like six hours of a real day. Yep. And if you take those two hours every single morning before you go to your job to plan your escape. Hmm. or even begin to start your new career if you can, if it's digital, or even if you're a real estate agent, you can be sending people listings at five in the morning. Yep. You will 
ultimately then get 65% of the way there and then you will leap. You mm. will. Yep. Yep. And, and it's, if it, the way that I have always found the universe works, <clears throat> if we put the wheels in, mo we can't just sit there going, I want to be an entrepreneur. If we put the wheels in motion and maybe you have a crazy idea to come up with, you know, vegan, gluten-free cupcakes that are in the design of traditional uh, Scandinavian folklore heroes. I don't know. But you need if you start putting the right, get it out of here and get it on paper. Yep. And run it by people that don't really know you. They know you well enough to care for you, mm. but they don't know so they don't know you so well that they will take a bullet for you. Yeah, because a lot of folks, when you show them an idea, they'll be like, mm, "That's not a good idea," because they're worried about you. Yep. yep. Whereas, if you get someone who's a little bit more objective, or just trust that in a gut, man, trust mm. it, it will lead you um, out of 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 a career of frustration and into another career of mm. frustration. But that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> uh, but we 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 are running out of time, Trevor. So. Yep. What is, what's a final thought? What is a nugget that you can give any young budding entrepreneur that has an idea that, that wants to leap? What, what's a, what's a, a nugget that you can share? Man, my, my final thoughts, to this is, um, you, you, you just touched on it there, Peter, where you, where you'd mentioned, you know, creating that, that momentum, creating the, the, the clarity and where you want to go. And I think the biggest thing people can do, no matter the age, no matter the stage, stage of business is be crazy clear on who you want to become. Like, yeah, it's important to write down the the business goals, all that kind of stuff. But what we oftentimes forget is who who do I want to become as a person? And I and I heard this quote, um, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and it stuck with me ever since. It's it's uh, something the effect of my version of hell is when I'm on the last day, you know, uh, when when uh, on my last day of life, I meet the person that I could have become. You know, my version of hell is on my last day of life, I meet the person that I could have become but didn't, right? And so when you think of that, you go, man, I want you guys and gals to think of who is that person? What traits do they have? Um, how do they show up in life? Uh, you know, how, what, what would that average day be like 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now of that person you want to become? And there might be some people in your life or Peter or other people that you've seen or heard that you go, man, I really like that trait of how he shows up, man. I really love that thing that Peter mentioned on that golden hour. I want the, that to be a part of my life. When I write my 20 year vision for myself, the golden hour is a part of it. And you start to build up these things and create that crystal clear vision of the person you want to become. And this is what you do with it. Every single time you're about to do something that is a hard thing. It could be stepping into doing that golden hour. It could be working out. It could be doing whatever. It could be, I have a choice to drink the water or the soda pop or the water or the beer, or whatever it is. Ask yourself, what would the person I want to become do? Like what decision would the person I want to become make right now? They would lace up the darn shoes and they'd get out there and run. They wouldn't hit the snooze button. They would go out there and create a, an area in their house for the golden hour and get the work done. They wouldn't just say, I'll do it tomorrow. Be clear in your vision of yourself, what traits, what patterns, who do you want to become and ask yourself every time you have those choices, what would the person I want to become do? And you're going to end up marching down that path faster than you can ever believe. I'm going to, I'm going to vamp on that for a quick second. I'm going to yep. add to that, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to actually ask the audience to do this as an exercise. Cool. So grab a piece of paper or in your phone or whatever. Actually, paper's better. Just holding a pen sometimes is, is better than, than mm. the digital domain. 
write down on a sheet of paper regrets that you currently have. Yep. Also write down on a sheet of paper resentments that you currently have. Mm. And then go through each of the regrets to see if it can be rectified. Like I regret not going to Disneyland when I was younger. So yeah. book a trip to Disneyland. Oh, I regret not patching it up with my brother. Mm. Patch it up with your brother. Yep. And then with the resentments, the same thing, except slight difference. I resent my boss. He's an arrogant dick. So then I would say next to it, go, is there any part of this that you're contributing to? What's mm. your part in that resentment? Yep. And ladies and gentlemen, you can work through your, you don't need to be on your deathbed with these regrets. Mm -mm. Work through these regrets now because mm. you can wipe them out one by one and you can wipe out the resentments one by one by calling up your boss and going, hey, I want to I wanna own my part in our relationship. How can, how can I improve our relationship? And Love if it. your boss treats you like crap, that's on him. Yep. You've cleaned your side of the street. You let that baggage go. You move on. Love and then it. you blend my idea with Trevor's idea. Man, Dude, I think that's the secrets of life. That's powerful, man. That, that's really good. I, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to have to have you back because we've eaten a complete hour. So, Trevor, you are a, uh, a, a force to be reckoned with. How can people find you on the intrawebs? Peter, for sure. I, I've got a podcast called The Carrot Cast. About half of the episodes are interviews with real estate agents and investors. The other half are what I call truck talks. It's literally mindset stuff <laughs> of what I'm going through right now while, while I'm driving back home to my house. And those are the most commented on, most most listened to episodes. So just carrotcast.com. And then uh, you guys can go to carrot.com forward slash Trevor. And I've got my energy audit worksheet there. You don't have to opt in or anything. Just like go grab it. My energy audit worksheet's there. Uh, my personal productivity sheet, all things like that. So carrotcast uh, there. Or you can find me on Instagram as well. Last name is Mock, M-A-U-C-H. I love it. Dude, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You are a god, and we will have you back uh, very soon. Trevor, thank you. Appreciate it, Peter. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you. I'll be back again next week with another topic and another great podcast, so don't forget to hit that button and subscribe. Until next time, take care, and I will see you later.